and pizza too, so that makes sense. Hey, excited that you're here today. Uh, if I don't know you, my name's Rick. I'm happy that you're here. We are in the middle of a series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today, so if you have your Bible or on your device, uh, you can turn to that. But I want to know if you're with me when I say this. Can you believe that Thanksgiving is already here? Anybody else like relate to the fact that that just seems wild? It seems to be moving really quickly this year. I know that it's not going to slow down either, right? It's just going to continue to go faster and faster. But I absolutely love Thanksgiving. I love the family. I love the food. I love the festivities. So my my hope is, is that this week I can just slow down a little bit and really enjoy it. You guys with me on that? Quick poll. When I mention Thanksgiving, though, who, act, who actually and automatically just associates Black Friday with Thanksgiving? Anybody in here? Like some shoppers? No? We, no one shops here. Okay, good. Then you have plenty of money to give to the church, okay? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have memories of it as a young adult, but not because I love to shop, because I worked retail. And I have the scars to prove it, okay? I promise you that. I have, I have never understood in its entirety how goofy people get when it comes to finding a good deal. Do you guys get it? I don't get it. I don't get it. Not once in my life have I ever thought to myself, I want that blender from Best Buy so badly that I hope someone will get up at 1 a.m. and stand in line outside in the freezing weather for the snowy weather also that I can open a blender on Christmas. I don't know. I just never have thought that way. Or I sure hope that someone loves me enough to go to a retail war for that new Xbox I want. I just have never actually thought that way. I just don't get it. But without fail, during the peak of the holiday shopping season, which is indeed Black Friday, there's always some story in the news about some person getting run over because they couldn't get to that 42-inch Vizio fast enough. You know what I mean? Like, it just happens all of the time. And for the most part, it seems so crazy to me. But there's just like a little, little tiny bit of me that gets it for this reason. When somebody really wants something, or when they want to give someone they love something so badly that they're willing to do anything to get it. You guys get that? That's the little sliver that I can understand. Do this exercise for me. Close your eyes and picture something that you really, really want. What would you do, or maybe, what are you doing currently to get that thing? If you really want it, but you're not doing anything to get it, odds are you're not going to get it, right? Okay, you can open your eyes with me. Today's section is a very encouraging one because Jesus is gonna tell his followers that they can and indeed should present their wants and desires to God, but not just do it timidly, that they can step in front of God confidently and present those wants and desires because God is a good father and a good father who gives good gifts. And so today we're going to dive into the passage. We're starting in chapter 7 with verse 7. We're going to go all the way through 12, but I'm going to read you the first few verses of that, 7 through 11, to start. It says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. 
The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is a wonderful, wonderful section. And I want to start by helping us see where this falls in the body of the Sermon on the Mount. Because if you remember, all the way back to chapter 5, we've been covering this since August. We're talking about this single sermon that Jesus gave in one sitting. But we've taken all these weeks to break it down because it's so full of goodness. And we want to understand what Jesus is saying. Well, verses 7 through 11 of Matthew 7 are Jesus' final instructions in the main body of the sermon. So after today, he's going to get into his concluding remarks, which are very good as well. But this is kind of the main body. Like when you write a paper, right, anybody who's been to school has written some kind of essay. You have like an intro and a conclusion, and in between you have the body, is what they call. The, Jesus is concluding the body of work in today's sermon. So it's important to remember that this sermon was designed for his followers, for his disciples, people who are following Jesus and listening to his teaching and deciding whether they want to continue to abide by it. And these teachings are focused on this big idea, how to flourish in this life. As a follower of Jesus, how do I flourish today? The sermon is not instructions on how to get into heaven Rather, it's instructions on how to flourish during our time on earth as we approach heaven in the meantime, okay? So Jesus has just finished teaching last week, we talked about this, on the idea of judgment. And he talked about it through the lens of self-awareness. He talked about how to have grace for those people that we judge and for ourselves as we make judgment about ourselves. And that part of the sermon, honestly, probably hit some really sensitive parts in the audience's ears. I know it did for me, talking about how to judge well and what not to do and how I need to take the plank out of my own eye before I worry about the speck in someone else's eye. So Jesus is going to follow up that very difficult teaching with a really encouraging one, with a really uplifting idea. He's going to finish the main course of this sermon with an encouragement that teaches us to ask God for what we really, really want for what's really, really on our hearts. Jesus knows, as a human, what it feels like to really want something. Do you know that? Jesus knows what it's like to really, really want something. He's lived the human experience, so he gets it. And we have all these things that we need or we perceive that we need and that we want that are really, really important to us. Honestly, though, at times I feel like my perceived wants, and maybe you can relate to this, are just a little too petty to bring before God, right? Maybe just a little too shallow to bring before God, maybe just too selfish to bring before God, but Jesus is actually going to teach us that that's not true. Uh, I can't help but think of this, this thing that my daughter does fairly often. She will bring to my attention something that she really, really, really wants every once in a while. And that thing is a dog. Anybody relate to that? Ever had a kid ask you for a dog? 
I know, I know that she doesn't actually want the responsibility of a dog, though. I know that. She just wants the cuteness, which I get, right? If it was just cuteness, everybody would have a dog, right? Everybody would have a dog if it was just cuteness, but it's the dog hair and the poop and the drool and the barking and the smell. Need I go on, right? Dog people right now are so mad at me, but those of you who are like me, you get it, okay? And so even though the answer is definitely no every single time, it's definitely no, okay? I always hear out her request because I want her to bring her requests to me. As a good dad, as I try to be a good dad, I always want her to know that she can come and ask me for something and I'm not going to shut it down, even though the answer is no. Right, okay, okay. I hope I don't get a dog in the future. You guys are really going to give it to me on that one, but I realize I'm not the only, uh, the only decider in that equation. God wants us, right? God wants us to bring our requests to him. He says, I'm going to read it again in verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, if you want something, ask for it. If you want something, seek it. If you want something, knock on the door and get in front of God and get his attention. So let's look at how Jesus orders this section of teaching, because I think it speaks to something that he's trying to do to his audience. Obviously, he starts with ask, right? Jesus starts with the most subtle form of a request. He simply says to ask. Asking is so simple, but sometimes it's really hard for us to do, right? Like as we grow up and we become more self-aware, it's one thing for a kid to ask. They get, they're just like, I'm going to just ask anything. Whatever's on my brain, I'm going to ask about it. I love that. But as we grow up and we become more self-aware, hopefully, uh, it can be hard to ask for things that we really need or that we really want. I, I have a hard time asking for help. Anybody else have a hard time asking for help? Okay, yeah, there's some of us in here, like, I just have a hard time, because I know there's just, like, it's going to be an imposition for somebody, or that's just what's going through my head. Of course, I know that's not what people think, right? But I have a hard time asking for it. However, it's easy for me, as the consequences and the cost are low, to ask for something. Uh, an example would be, like, hey, if I just asked you guys today, like, hey, Center Church, can we make this Christmas season, Chris, Christmas season the best Christmas season ever? Yeah, right? You were just like, yeah, duh, right? Because you're like, well, this is a big group of people, and Pastor Rex probably not going to ask me specifically to do something, so... <laughs> Yeah, of course I'm going to say yes. But what if, like, what if I just came up to Micah and I was like, Micah, I need $20. Can you give me $20 right now? Yeah, he says, I wish. He, That's really nice. Thank you, Micah. He wishes he could give me $20. You see, the cost gets a little bit more burdensome as it becomes more individualized and more weighty. But what's awesome is, is Jesus doesn't qualify his statement. He doesn't say, ask for some reasonable things, and I'll give them to you. He just says, ask, and you will receive. Ask, and it will be given to you. So that thing that you really, really want, that thing that I asked you to imagine just a few moments ago, God wants to know about it. 
He wants you to ask him about it. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop at ask. He says, seek. Seek out what you want. And this, of course, raises the bar a little bit. Now you must seek out the things that you really, really want. Jesus is saying, if you want it, you'll go a little further than just asking for it. In your prayers, when you want something, you're going to seek it out. You're not going to make a simple request, but you're actually going to over and over and over seek it out. Now, sometimes it means physically seeking it out, but a lot of times it means asking God over and over and over for the thing that you're going after. It's not just a simple, hey, God, I'd love if you did this. I'm moving on now. It's God, please hear my request. Don't just ask for it, but actually seek it out. So he goes, ask, seek, and then knock. And Jesus ends this line by taking the commitment level a step further. He says, when you want something, ask for it, of course. Seek it out, but don't just seek it out. Knock on the door. Put yourself in front of God in his presence. Get his attention with your request. I liken it to this. Imagine you had a ticket to the greatest party in the world, the one that you've been looking for the entire time for this whole year. You're like, I just can't wait to go to this thing. And you show up, and instead of knocking on the door, you just stand outside and watch through a window. You wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't do that if you were like, I've been looking forward to this. This thing is super important to me. I want to go to this thing so badly. You wouldn't just be like, oh, man, it looks really awesome in there. I know I can go inside but I'm not going to. I'm going to stand out here in the cold and watch. No, of course not. You're going to knock. And God says when you knock that he will let you in, right? That's what it says. Knock and you, the door will be opened to you. None of this is necessarily saying that you won't have any trouble ever. If you ask God, God, give me the easiest life ever. It's not going to happen. Or that things will go exactly as you plan them. A lot of times we have these ideas and these wants and desires in our heads because we think we know best, but we know better that God knows best. So Jesus finishes this section of teaching by comparing the two different types of fathers. There's the fathers who exist on earth, us, and then there's God the Father who is greater in verse 9, he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? It's not, it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want, but he definitely wants you to ask. He definitely wants you to seek, and he definitely wants you to knock on the door so that he can let you in, so that he can give you the good gifts that he has intended. Just like a mom or dad who wants to hear about their child's desires, who wants to hear about that dog that they're never going to get. God is much better than us at giving gifts, and he actually wants to hear. So here's what you need to do. You need to ask, you need to seek, and you need to knock. Now, this is my curiosity with this section as to why Jesus gives the three different types of requests and why he, uh, why he says them in the order that he does. This is not in the passage, but this is my suspicion. I wonder if Jesus 
doesn't stop at ask because he wants to see how important that thing is to us, right? I'll give you an example. My daughter loves to go to camps. My, she's extremely social. She loves to learn new things. And so she's constantly requesting like STEM camp and theater camp. And yesterday she was at choir camp. Erica was one of the coaches there. She just loves to go be social and learn new things. Now, these are great things, but they cost something, right? They cost money. And so what I will often do is I will put the ball back in her court and see how badly she wants to go. I'll say, okay, you can go. And if I'm honest, I'm just going to pay for it no matter what because I want to send her to these good things. But I'll put the ball in her court and say, okay, you need to write letters to our family and ask for scholarships, I've actually done that multiple times before. Sometimes she follows through. Other times she goes, eh, I don't really want to go, actually. Right? And then she just walks away. And so it's like, okay, now I know. Like, you really don't want this thing that badly. I wonder if that's a little bit of what's going on here. Right? If God's saying, don't just ask, seek it out. And don't just seek it out, but actually knock on the door so that I can see what you really, really want. Now, again, just my curiosity. I don't know the answer to that. But regardless, we are instructed to ask, to seek, and to knock. Okay, so let's talk about what we should ask for. We know now how we're supposed to ask. We're supposed to bring our requests to God. We're supposed to Ask, seek, knock, pursue the things that we want, but let's see what we should ask for. Now, if you're like me, sometimes the real selfish child still comes out a little bit, okay? I'm just being honest with you guys, and I don't feel like everything I think I want that I should probably ask God for, right? Anybody else relate to that? You got those things, you're like, ah, I really want that new car. Okay, well, maybe God doesn't necessarily want you to have that new car, or maybe it's just not really important for you to have that new car right now, that just comes up in my soul. So what should we be asking for? Well, the question I like to think about is this. How can I align my desires with what God desires? If I, if I align my desires with what God desires, I will ask for better things. I will ask for the things that are actually meaningful. This means, A, we need to know what God desires, right, which we can find out in Scripture. And I think broadly the answer to that is that He wants His children to flourish. So if you think, well, what does God desire? Well, God wants us to flourish. He wants His children to flourish. There's a many specific things that God uh, wants for us in our lives, and each one of us has a different life and have different things going on in our life. So broadly speaking, He wants you to flourish. I think that's what God wants most. And so if we're smart, and if we're always rational, which we know we're not, we would only ask for the things that lead to a flourishing life, would we not? But we're not. We're not always smart, and we're not always rational. So if I think about the question, what should I ask for? I want to start by looking back at the sermon. Jesus taught on some very important things in the body of this sermon. Uh, one of the things we talked about last week, judgment. Other things he addresses in the sermon, moral law, murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving your enemy, generosity, prayer, fasting, worry, 
heaven. These teachings are some big hitters in life, are they not? And Jesus addresses each one of them and gives us godly wisdom for each one of them. But just in case you get into a situation where you're not sure of what Jesus would do, what WWJD, right? He gives us this really helpful rule in verse 12, which is the last verse of this section. Verse 12 says this, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now this is often called the golden rule. You heard of the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the culminating verse of the main section. The whole body of the sermon culminates and concludes with this idea. And it's important to kind of understand what this verse is saying. I like to start with the very first word, so. The so is actually important. It's functionally a therefore. Now, if you've come across the word therefore in the Bible, then you want to know what therefore is therefore, right? That's kind of the the teaching rule. It's basically saying, because of everything I just said, I want to say this thing, right? So Jesus says, so, therefore, everything that I just taught you on, everything that I just taught you on, you need to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In relationship to all these different topics that I just hit on, in those situations, if you ever are wondering what you should do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This culminating verse is sort of this summarizing statement or a rule of life that is based off everything Jesus just taught. It's really, really helpful. In fact, history tells us that Jesus was actually in this moment expanding on a wise Jewish, Jewish teaching by a rabbi named Hillel. Hillel would say, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. And that's the negative, right? Just don't do anything that you wouldn't want somebody to do. But Jesus takes it a step further. He says, don't just not do the things you don't want done. Actually do the things that you want someone else to do to you. Jesus says, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, if you're not sure what to ask God for in a given situation, if you're not sure what decision to make in a particular predicament, and if you're not sure how to respond in a particular environment, follow this very simple but profound rule. Do to others what you would have them do to you. So wait, Pastor Rick, you're telling me That God cares about how we treat each other? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that. It seems so simple, and yet it gets really, really hard at times, right? We get real stressed out. We get real behind on our work. We get real busy, right? And we kind of forget that most of our interactions at all the places we go involve people. Not always anymore, but certainly it happens for the most part. Don't do the things to others that you don't want done to you, and do the things to others that you would like them to do to you. And here's the starting point I try to use to help me live this rule out. Start by seeing the humanity in every single person. Start by seeing the humanity in every single person. So when I go into Starbucks to grab a coffee, which I did this morning, I start 
by seeing the humanity in the person at the drive-thru who was moving really slowly. <laughs> this person was a human who also has feelings, who also has wants and needs, a human who may actually be having a bad day. And I just want to say this, paying for a product doesn't give you license to be a jerk. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm just saying it a little differently. But also, when you encounter a jerk, it doesn't give you license to be a jerk as well. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's never okay to be a jerk. Okay? Now, Jesus can demand this of his followers because he's first done that for us. Jesus can demand that we love others because he first loved us. Jesus can demand that we serve others because he first served us. And Jesus can demand that we are generous with others because he was first generous with us. Was he not? So as we wrap up today's section, I just want to highlight the point that Jesus is working towards in all of this. If you remember, we have this one verse that we've repeated every single week, and it's towards the end of the sermon. Matthew 7, 24 through 25 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. That's what we're talking about. How do we build our life on the rock of Jesus? How do we flourish today? And what Jesus is saying, if you treat others how you want to be treated, you will flourish. Let's pray. God, thank you for lessons like this, ones where we learn that there are things that we should not do, but there's also things that we should do. And that you are a good father who gives really good gifts. And that we can bring our requests, we can bring our wants and our needs and our desires before you. Thank you that they don't intimidate you. Thank you that they don't surprise you. But that as a child of God, I can simply tell you what's going on in my heart. And then you can help me align those desires with yours. And God, as we go about this season of the holidays and there's lots going on and it's busy and people have much and people have little, I just pray that we would see the humanity in each and every person, that you would help us to love them well, that you would help us to flourish and that we may build our lives on the rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a couple of announcements really quick before I let you guys go. First of all, that...